what's going on y'all it's your boy so so in case you ain't no so and welcome back to another dope episode of sports with so so coming to you live y'all this week the heat lose two out of three in the homestand the hurricanes men's basketball team are acc champs and ufc 285 was a banger with john jones coming back it's time to take a ride y'all let's go Well, I always say that I'm going to start freestyling on, but I don't got enough bars. Yo, what, the other, yesterday, <laughs> no, two days ago on the golf course, I spit a mean, mean freestyle. Damn, but Davey. And yeah. Like, I can't remember any of it. I blacked out. <laughs> but like, I went in. I can't, what, what, what beat was I even on? I don't remember. I know I was with Javi. Javi was driving. Nice. And I, like, I, I caught it exactly like perfectly and I even made it my own hook. And then when I finished my shit, the, the real hook of the song came out. I can't remember what song it was now. Damn, now we got to text him. Go ahead. You got to text him. You're going to have to text I'm him. Not, I'm not going to do all that right now. It's all good, man. But we both played golf this weekend, man. I'm sure your round was better than my round by a lot. You know what I mean? Ah, it's debatable. It's debatable. You know, but, it's bro, relative. you know, the funny thing about this game, dog, is like, it's not like basketball or football or like any of those sports where you can kind of just pick it up and still kind of have it. The moment you don't swing a golf club for five days, six days, everything you've learned, everything you practice, it almost goes to shit, dog. Ah, it depends, dog. It you know? depends. Sometimes... I've taken breaks, and I, I think a few people could attest to this. You know, you take a break for a couple of weeks or something like that, and all of a sudden, like, your first round back is, like, you don't have any of those thoughts that you were overthinking. Right. You don't have those those tendencies. You kind of break away from that, and now it's just like, all right, hey, just hit the ball. Right. And, you know, you, you do you do get a lot of that noise out of your head, but more often than not, it's it's the best excuse in the book. It's like, man, you don't even know how long it's been since I picked up a club. Right, could be a week, and you're going to be like, dog, I haven't played in ages. Oh, man, it could be a couple of days. Like, I don't even remember how to do this. It's it's not easy, man. It's not easy, bro. But once once you get out of it, right, and you're like, all right, you know, it's just the same old thing that you've been accustomed to doing, um, it can turn out to be a good time, you know? And shout out to John, bro. We had a good time out there um, playing at the home course. Just trying to get ready for this Miami Golf Bros trip, dog. I mean, there's a lot of hype. It's a lot of real there was, hype. There was buzz around the golf course this week. The weekend. field is looking mighty, mighty. You know, see a couple of videos in the chat, a I couple of guys. I got it. People have been asking me already format and all that stuff, and I got to start putting pen to paper with Alex and figure out strokes mm. and like the weekend long because it's going to be like. We're gonna be gambling. That's there's no there's no doubt about it. There's no way around that. But it's you're gonna have the choice to gamble as much or as little as you you want to gamble. You don't want to gamble. You know. True. So I'm gonna have different things going out throughout the rounds and stuff like that. And you can be like, you know what? I want to do this, but I don't want to bet in that pool or for that game or whatever. I'm not in. Yeah. You know, I'm not in for that one. So or you can be just full blown degenerate like most of the guys on the trip and be like. 
count me in for everything. Yeah, I mean, most people are going to be down for that, right? Because a, it's it's how you keep it fun and light, right? And you know, the the system that you guys are working on is definitely going to be geared towards making it even as possible for everybody out there. You know what I mean? And that's the main thing. Everybody wants to go out there, have fun, true. But at the end of the day, you want to compete, kind of see where you stand. You know, have a little bit of bragging rights, maybe get a, a greenie, like win the most greenies, whatever. Um, and I think the trip is going to definitely showcase that, man. It's a group of guys, right? Um, a lot of fun dudes out there. Some ballers. We got some ballers heading out there. And then you got people like me going out there. So <laughs> it's a, a good, baller. You fall in the baller category. It's a good spectrum. That's all I'm trying to say. It's a good spectrum. <laughs> you know? Um, golf is so hard. Golf is so hard, bro. And you know what? <clears throat> It's a sport that you're never, ever going to get better at. You continue to work on it. <laughs> dog, don't say that. No, I mean, like, dog. You're definitely going to get better. What I'm saying is, like, you're not going to go from being a, you know, whatever golfer to being a really good golfer. You know, that shit takes 15 years of dedication. You know, like, even, I, I always remember what we talked about with Coach Sib, right? And Coach Sib saying, like, yo, I took off work. You know, I stopped working to practice my craft, stay on the golf course, caddy, learn, and all this shit. That that's real it dedication. Dog. Takes hours. That's how you get into the seventies and eighties, dog. You know, that's thousands how, and thousands of hours. That's it, man. But you know, I think that you can get there little by little. You know, I think I've gotten better. I think you are on the right path. You know, you just got to always be self aware. Know exactly like what's hey, your game. What you know? What did I bring to play today? You know what? What I what can I can't what. I can and can't do, you know, you got to be aware of that True, and have a plan, you know, to get better. I remember having a conversation with Alex over a year ago when he was like, oh, it's going to take you at least a year just to have like a semi-normal, you know, swing, a consistent swing. You know what right. I mean? I was like, bro, I don't got that kind of time. And like, here we are. <laughs> I need to get better right now. <laughs> over a year. And like, we've seen, you know, a little bit of progress, but like, on, that's, it's been progress, enough, a, it's been enough progress for me to be like, all right, you got to trust the process. True. Like legit. True. You know, you can't just go and get one lesson yeah. and be like, I didn't figure out how to break par now. Like what, like you can't set the bar that high for yourself. You got to have little stuff. Like if you're realistically shooting a hundred, 110, 120, it's like, all right, you gotta, you gotta get those numbers down. We gotta get down inside of a hundred, and then right. once you get a hundred, so on and so forth. More, con- more consistent at, at hitting a hundred, right? Or staying under a hundred, and then going from there. Yeah, and but it doesn't. You can't just watch YouTube videos because I did that. I spun in circles work. for years watching YouTube videos and thinking I was doing certain things, and right. I was not. No. Like it took going to get formal instruction to get better. Yeah, you gotta go see a professional, man. You know, and and you don't have to see them all the time, right? Because it's everybody goes on their own path and their own journey, so. You make time for it when you can, but it's definitely better to always learn from somebody who's teaching you, right? And can actually do um, groundwork type, you know, learn, uh, teaching at the golf course or even at the driving range in most cases, you know, and you really get to pick and learn how to adjust your game and play your game because everybody's game is different. Uh, you know, it's it's a cool sport, bro. It's a cool sport. I love it, dog. I love cool it. Cool sport, man. Uh, let's let's talk about this heat, man. Because the last <sighs> time I know, bro. But the last time that Look you and I'm I, drinking, I'm drinking out of that <laughs> that heat cup, and I was gonna wear my heat hat today, dog. And you know, it's just I haven't been feeling the love, dog. I haven't been feeling the love. Nah, I haven't man, been able to do this the piece right now, too much. I know, but this team needs our love now more than ever, bro. Because those those boys are really down right now. Yeah, of course, and. It's kind of on us as far as the GM goes, right? And that's Pat and, and company because we decided to run the team back 
pretty much without being able to make moves or having to go all out to make a move, right? And we kind of see the fruits of that bearing right now. Um, you know, we started, we have a six game homestand, start off the homestand with two straight losses. First one being to an Embiid list 76ers, dog. And it's not even that you lose, you get smoked, you know? And, and we talked about it on the last episode where the, the effort, right, from the bench players, from the guys not named Jimmy and Bam has to be there a lot more consistent. And for whatever reason, dog, it's not for whatever reason. We know that the talent level is just not where it needs to be for this, for this Heat team to be good. It's just not, right? We look at our guards and the guards are our, definitely our weakest, for sure, weakest area, right? Whether it's starting or on the bench. Yep. Because even having Hero in there and him having a good season by his accounts, right? Uh, averaging damn near 20 points a game, you know, having big points in certain games, dropping 30 here and there, but it hasn't been consistent. And you would think with the amount of time that he's been in the league already, he would learn how not to be so wasteful with his shots and learn how to be more efficient. And something that I was telling Sergio, you know, was like, I, I, I don't see him progressing as far as driving to the lane, he doesn't drive into the lane as much as as somebody who plays his position should, right? Because if you if you look at his free throw attempts, I guarantee you they're under double digits. You know what I mean? They're definitely going to be around six to seven, which is nowhere near uh, enough for a guard, especially for a guard who touches the ball or shoots as much as he does, right? That that lack of awareness on his game. It's kind of troublesome. It's kind of troublesome. You know what I mean? Because that's something that you have to really work at, right? To get better. And it's going to take a lot of self-reflection. And I don't think that hero's that mature yet. You know, even though he has a family, he has two kids, whatever. I don't think basketball-wise he's mature enough, right? To say, you know what? I'm having a bad time shooting the game, shooting the ball this game. Let me drive it to the hoop. Let me try to get to the free throw line. Let me see if I can get six, seven, eight, ten attempts this game. He doesn't do that. Jimmy, on the other hand, he does that. That guy can miss his first four shots and say, well, guess what? Everything's going to the hole and I'm going to get fired, fouled. Whether I get the call or not, I'm driving, dog. And I'm initiating that contract, that contact. I don't know, man. That that first loss against Philadelphia, losing um, 119 to 96, that was definitely not the start that they wanted to the homestand. We were not in that game. No. <clears throat> At any point. What'd you say? No, of course not. We were down 71 to 53 at halftime, dog. 71 to 53. These, again, no Embiid, letting Maxi do his damn thing, which a lot of people wanted him to be on the heat when we could have drafted him. Didn't fall to us, fell to Philly, and they're definitely reaping the benefits of that. But there was no support. Victor Oladipo, that guy sucks. You know, as much as I like him personally, he is not bringing it. No effort, no type of consistency, no type of confidence on offense. He is not bringing it. We're starting Gabe Vincent because Lowry can't even play. And no this to Gabe Vincent, but offensively, he's not gifted. He's not a guy who's going to get you 15 points a night. He'll, he'll get you a couple three pointers, and you know he'll get you a few, maybe a couple nights where he'll go and have off, a couple good right. 10, 12, 14, 16 point games, but you know, he's not going to be consistent like that. I think his thing is he does better coming off the bench for sure. But it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning, right? Where the heat right now just don't have any type of, any type of good rotation that they can throw out there. 
when it comes to guards, right? Because if Hero's the best of the guards combination, uh, Oladipo, Vincent, Strews, um, if he's the best one out of those four, and you look at his numbers and how how bad he's shooting this year as far as percentage goes and the rough stretches of games that he's had, what does that say about the rest of the rotation? And how much better can it be when, if Lowry does come back, who was already struggling to provide any type of consistent production? You know, I, I just don't see how that he can improve it. You know, we're tied into Kyle Lowry for right now. We're definitely tied into the hero. But who's going to want to take those type of players? Earlier in the season when Hero was playing better, or at least seemed to be playing better as far as his percentage goes, he probably had a little bit more trade value. It kind of diminishes every time he has a bad game, goes a month without scoring a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now we're heading into the crunch part of the season. Heat are 34 and 31, lose two games at home back to back. You know, you lose the next game to the Knicks, which we needed that game. Bing bong. Bing bong. And the way we lost that game. Right after being up, coming back to get the lead, go down one twenty two to one twenty on a last second three pointer by Randall, like where he he was pretty well covered there too. He like lost mm. the ball and then he picked it back up and like falling down to his right, just kind of heaved one and you just can't have that, especially at that point in the game. Like you say that he was well covered, he was well covered up until the point that he got the shot off because Jimmy had him. Caused him to caused him to lose his dribble and stuff like that. But something happened where Jimmy and Hero switched, and and like obviously there's two different mentalities when it comes to how those guys guys defend. And Hero just couldn't even jump at him or anything like that. He went at him, but he didn't jump or anything like that. Gave Randall a pretty fair look at the at the basket, and that guy was on fire. Julius Randall was on fire that yeah. night. Great night, great night. And guess what? He hit the three. Boom, with 3.33 seconds left. There's no way we were going to win that. And even still, Spode did his thing, right? Because his thing is, his the best ability that he has as a coach, I would say, is calling plays when coming out of a break. Whether timeout, TV timeout, foul situation, whatever. He usually runs a really good play to get a good look at the basket. Whether it's at the basket, getting a shot off, whatever. Calls the play. We have Kevin Love inbounding the ball, and he's pretty good with his passing, but he's trying to connect with Jimmy. And those guys have been playing together for all of 10 days. Little miscommunication, holding on to the ball too long, tries to pass it in, Jimmy's covered, ball knocked down, game over. And the Knicks just show how their season is progressing in the right direction, and ours are, is progressing in the wrong direction, you know? That 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 was a really 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 hard loss for me to see because I expected more from this team. I expected a fight. You know, yeah, you put up 120 points, but you struggled to get there. The fourth quarter was not pretty, and ultimately we lose the game. We lose ground, and we put ourselves further back into that area where it's like, well, something can happen here, and we might not even solidify that sixth spot. We would have won that game. We're probably in the sixth spot right now because Brooklyn, for how bad they've looked in the last 10 games, they've actually won two out of their last three and have been able to maintain that sixth spot where you want to be. Even if you have to face Boston or whatever, whoever your matchup is, Philadelphia, you want that. 
You want to be in that six seed because you don't want to be in that playing tournament. You can get knocked out. This Heat team has shown that it's not consistent enough to try to win a one-game playoff. I wouldn't feel super confident, especially if we have to go on the road, right? If we keep losing games. Would you? No. Not with this team. Not the way they're playing this year. Man, again, it's it's it sucks because that's been their theme this year. Lose games that they shouldn't, go and have a good game and win impressively right after that. And that's what they did. Right after you lose that heartbreaker to the Knicks, you come back home, you play Atlanta, you're still, uh, you know, ahead of them at least in the playoff race. But not by a lot. It's only a game and a half. And yeah, you go out there and you smoke Atlanta. You hold Trey Young to eight points, which is a season low for him. Um, Bam has 30 points. Hero has a good shooting nine, drops 20. Uh, Jimmy struggled a little bit. But it again, it didn't give me confidence. I barely watched the game because I was like, man, we should be beating Atlanta like this every single time. We should be beating teams that aren't as good as us, right? Or have a, a better player than us, than our main two players, handedly all the time and for and we can't we can't and it's because we don't have enough firepower no duncan all the guards that i named we just got cody zeller and he's been impactful on defense right getting rebounds kevin love has been really helpful on offense executing um setting up picks and even when we get rebounds or he gets rebounds he's always looking for an outlet pass which helps initiate the offense for a team that lacks that type of push Right. Still not enough. It's still not enough. And it, and it may not be enough to get into the playoffs or get into that six seed. And it may not even if we do get there, it may not be enough to win a game against an opponent. You know, no, you put it very well. You know, the one if your season rides on one game, you know, not a series, you know, I don't, anything can happen with this team. I mean, what we've seen this year, we've lost to teams that we thought we should beat. Yeah, you know, we've lost to Philadelphia. We've lost to New York. Now we've lost to, you know, Milwaukee. We've lost to, you know, people that without Giannis, right? You know, without their main star, but like teams that we even with their stars that like, we think we can compete with because we think our team, True. you know, we still have good enough players and a good enough system, and it's it's showing that we're lacking, man. And yeah, it's that backcourt, man. That backcourt is struggling right now, and we're seeing it. We're seeing you know direct result of that. Yeah, and it's and it doesn't look obviously we can't make any moves right now. The best that we can hope for is that one of these guys catches fire and, and really claims that spot, right? Because let's be honest, Lowry doesn't look like he's going to be whatever, not even fifty percent of what he could be. You know, if he's hurt and coming back off a long layoff and not really playing any basketball or meaningful basketball. Yeah, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up for this guy coming in, dog. That guy's barely going to be able to play 15, 20 minutes. I doubt he'll be in shape. I doubt he'll be in shape. He hasn't shown that here this at, during his Heat tenure. He right now really struggling. Still have three games left, right? We play Atlanta again tonight at the time that we're recording. So you guys will know the results by the time you're hearing this. And then we got another two games against a good Cleveland squad, who's currently fourth in the East, right? And who's gaining some momentum into this playoff team. It might be a team that if they sneak into the third, we'll have to face if we get to that six seed. And they'll probably smoke us, knowing how it'll go, all right? I'm interested to see if these guys can get these last three games at home. Because even if they get two, 
it's still 500 homestand. That you had six straight games at home, dog, and you only went 500. Everybody should be rested, feeling good, coming to practice. You're driving your own car. You're sleeping in your own bed. The only reason why it would look bad is if these guys don't care. And I'm not saying that like, oh, fuck it, the season to wash. No, they probably see it as like, oh, you know, we can just hang in and, and we'll make the playoffs. And once we get to the playoffs, we'll be dangerous. Nah, nah. Nah, I don't think so because you haven't shown us that the whole season. You haven't shown us you're, you're capable of being dangerous. You showed us you're capable of winning occasionally, mm-hmm. but not the games that matter, frankly, yeah. not this season. And, th- and these are the games that matter. You got to be Atlanta to keep them at bay. You got to beat Cleveland twice in order to climb up the standings. And you need and you know that you're already two and a half games behind and falling. Falling. You know, you're definitely looking at this last three games like, yo, if, if we don't do it now, these next two weeks before the season is over or three weeks before the season is over could be really rough where we see ourselves fall out of the playoffs. And that'll be mind blowing to me because I never would have pegged this season at its worst, us not making the playoffs. Mm. Would you? Because no, we no talked shot. about it and we were like, Coño, no maybe shot. we're a 5 I'm still, I'm still not seeing that, but I'm thinking now at worst and like last last seed, like that's very possible for the seed team to just kind of barely get into the playoffs and then a first round exit. Look, right now as it stands, Atlanta and Toronto are only two and two and a half games back respectively. Washington, they're four games on the 500. They're 30 and 34 and they're only only three and a half games back. He have a bad stretch, lose five out of seven. And we can easily be in that 10 spot, easily be on the 500. And again, I never had this heat team pegged as that bad, nah. which, which would suck. And it would honestly be one of the worst seasons that we've had. Yeah. You the, know, in the, definitely in the last five, six years. And a lot of it falls on the GM. You know, I love Pat. You love Pat. Heat Nation is always going to be behind Pat. Don't do what you're about to do. You better not speak ill of the No, nah, man. But what I'm saying is, like, we should have known what the expectations were going to be when we decided to run it back with the same team, practically. And we decided to give Hero his money instead of trying to shop him and seeing what we can get. All of the moves that we did and did not make is what got us here right now. And if we're in this situation and it's obviously not a good one, then the moves didn't work. None of the moves worked. I don't know. I don't know. Very trying times for Heat fans right now. And, and you're probably right. They, they need some support. So how many home games do we have left? We have on this current home Just stand? Just in total before the season ends. Uh, let me check games. that. I know that we have three home games left uh, this for, week, basically, for this week. Tonight against Atlanta, we're home. Right. The next two more games. Two more games versus I would Cleveland. Wednesday and Friday or something like that. We got two, four, six games left at home besides these two. Yeah, season's, season's almost over. And then don't even talk about And then about the last home game is against Orlando, dog. Jesus Christ. The, the hated Orlando Magic, dog. I might go to that game. That'll be dope. Might take my godson. What day is that? That is a Sunday. What day? April 9th. Yeah, I might do. I might take him that day. Yeah. I mean, the season's right there, dude. The season's right there, dog. And the Heat have caught a bunch of breaks from teams. And we've never capitalized on it. So I'm interested to see if they can capitalize on these next three games um, before hitting the road Saturday to go play Orlando, coming back to face Utah and Memphis next week. 
Got to win games, dog. If we're, if we're really serious about making this playoff push, we got to win games right now. Let's see. Let's see. We'll be watching. We need more pizza mañana if we're being uh, honest, dog. We you do. Know? We're due. We're big time due. We're due. Let's see. Uh, you know what? Yo, one last thing though before you go. With oh, the, yes, yes, yes. Guys, I mean, it just Thank got you. announced. When nobody you. ever thought this was going to happen. Well, everybody knew it was going to happen eventually, but Udonis Haslam <laughs> decided this weekend on 305 Day, shout out to um, Miami-Dade County, uh, to announce officially his retirement from the game of basketball, from the NBA. Uh, he, he, He's one of the last, if not probably going to be the last, to play his entire career, that long of a career correct. with one team. Correct. I, I definitely see that in his future as being one of the last guys ever to do that. But more importantly, is I feel bad for how he's going out, right? Because he came out mm. with some comments earlier where he's like, yo, this is not how I expected this last season to be. Sure. You know, and I'm sure that it's weighing on him extra, maybe not physically, but definitely emotionally. Right, because if he had the body of some of these guys and the youth of some of these guys, we'd be seeing a D, a UD out there of prime, you know, prime UD, and he's all heart. The body just doesn't move as much. Right, right. And I'm sure. I'm sure to some extent he's probably thinking too. Like I'm, all right, I'm done taking. Like you know, if I love this team, I've gotten everything out of them. I can't give them any more. I don't want to be taking up another roster spot. Like what yeah. else am I doing out here? You know, yeah. we thought it was already going to happen maybe a year or two ago. Yeah, but we got an extra. One or two years out of UD, <laughs> which is dope to see, dog. Um, so wish him nothing but the best. The OG. Absolutely. Served your time. He did a 20-year bid, homie. Yeah. And nah, you, he's, you were rewarded for he's it. He's a Miami legend. Career. He's a Miami legend, a Heat legend. Uh, you know, Dade County is definitely proud of UD. And, you know, the Heat are showing him the love the right way. You know, they're going to do 40, D, 40 days of, of UD of number 40, which is an honorary thing to him, you know, and kind of put out some of his best moments in as a, as a Miami heat. And, uh, they're also going to do something special for him in one of the home games where they're going to, uh, specifically put that three zero five section for Udonis Haslam fans and have them out there with like promos and giveaways and stuff like that. So, 305 section, you know, is going to be the area you want to be sitting at, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, for these next couple of home games, man. So shout out to UD. Great career. Uh, great representative of Miami and Miami Heat, you know, without a doubt. Now, another amazing, amazing representation of Miami is this UM's men's basketball team, dog. And I, I can feel a smile on my face because I'm so happy for these guys and so proud of this team, dog, for accomplishing something that is very hard to do when you're not a basketball school. And that's go out there and win the ACC, dog. Mm. Coach Champs with Virginia, we have a better record. We have the tiebreaker against them as well. Um, but, bro, Coach L has done the most incredible job that I've ever seen in college sports, dog, recently. To take this program that's not known for basketball was in the drudges, right, of, of the seller as far as this athletic department goes and literally brought it up to prominence and backed it up with actual titles and banners and producing high-level talent. This dude, Coach L, has, has really transformed this, this school into a legit basketball school, dog. And this is in the ACC where you're talking about teams like Virginia, teams like Duke, North Carolina, powerhouse colleges when it comes to basketball, and dominant teams when it comes to the ACC. 
But UM has definitely not only gone out there and put its stamp on the ACC when it comes to basketball, they've planted their flag at the top of the hill with those teams and say, yo, we're here. We're here. And not only are we here, we belong, and we're coming back each and every other year. It's just wild to see this program transform into what it is right now, dog. There's a lot of lot to be happy about, but at the same time, too, you know, we, we wouldn't be doing ourselves justice if we didn't talk about everything, right? Right. And, you know, I know we're going to get into the, the win against Pittsburgh, you know, the 78-76 win, which is yep. a great win, a lot of implications going into that game. Um, but before that, correct me if I'm wrong, but they played the Seminoles. Yeah. And we lost that game. On a heartbreaking three-pointer. Half-court heave. How do you feel about that game and that result more so? Well, we we had talked about it a little bit last week. But Did we? Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it last week. But it was what I took away the most from that game, right, that I saw imply itself into this next game because they were separated from, from a week, right? They had played Saturday and then again played Saturday. What I took away from that loss was like, these guys are going to have this as a learning experience to say, yo, we can't not playing to the final whistle, final seconds are off the clock. And because they let down their focus for half a second, five seconds, whatever it was that took the time for Buddy to get to the half-court shot and make it, right, to beat to beat UM and snap, and snap the streak. That lack of focus was not there this past Saturday against Pitt. If anything, it was heightened by the moment, by the crowd, by the energy in the building, by the stakes, right? What was on the line. And I felt like without that loss to FSU in that form, mm. we probably don't have the wherewithal to go out there and win that game against Pittsburgh. You know, because Pittsburgh had the same type of opportunity. The Hurricanes made a shot to go up. Um, and, you know, Pittsburgh inbounds the ball. Guy gets away from the first guy, gets to pretty much half court, has a kind of good look for it where he's shooting it from far. And everybody's kind of holding their breath as the ball's in the air and thinking, fuck, not again, right? But that difference between that shot and the one that the dude from FSU hit was somebody was in his face this time. It wasn't just a clear look. Hey, I'm chasing you. I'm going to make this as hard as I can for you. And he did that. Guy missed the shot, and we were able to celebrate. And again, I just, I just think it means so much, not only to UM, but to the basketball program, to go out there and have hard-fought victories in the ACC, go out there and have a hard-fought division championship, right, a conference championship, and and earn your respect nationally, you know, because now the the Hurricanes are being spoke about being a solidified top four team in any bracket, east, west, south, whatever, north doesn't matter. They're going to be a top four team based on whether or not they can finish the job and win the ACC tournament, right? But even still, they put themselves in the best position. With that win, right, they they were able to get the double bye. So now they're not playing again until, uh, until Thursday where they have to see either Duke or UNC get knocked out or, or play each other before they get to UM. This Thursday? Correct. So the, the ninth. Correct. So ACC tournament is starting already, right? Tomorrow, Tuesday. Yes. So, again, you know, it's in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, and the Hurricanes have two bye. So not only do they get two days of extra practice, extra rest, right, extra whatever, they also get to see the team that they're playing in person. So they'll be able to go to a game and say, okay, who's this is a potential matchup? Cool, let's go watch. Let's go watch. And now they're, they're going to be well prepared to go out there and really dominate the next two games, win, put yourself in the ACT championship, and get that too. 
Because if if you think about it, when we talked about the Hurricanes basketball season earlier this year, we, we said that there were certain steps that they had to take. They had to win the ACC, had to get a really good record, finish in the top 25 of the NCAA rankings. They've done all of that. Currently ranked 14th, already won the ACC conference. Now they're in a number one seed for the bracket, for the, for the ACC tournament taking all those steps. And if they just take that next step, then again, we're going to see them progressing and having the dream season that we thought could be possible. And I was listening to Joe Zagaki on the way here, and he mentioned something that really stood out to me. What he said was, you know, it's it's different for, for this UM team to go as far as it did this year because of how everybody was fixated on Duke and UNC. All of the talent, all of the young freshmen that they were getting in and the hype behind them, nobody really put too much respect on UM. Had them ranked fourth in the ACC, behind Virginia, behind um, UNC and Duke. And now for Coach L to not only end up at the top, but like an FU to Duke and UNC to be like, you guys aren't even as good as us, not even ranked. We whooped your asses. That that means much more to Coach L than just winning the ACC. Second time he does it, it's not easy to do with with those two schools I just mentioned. But this year specifically, how he was able to do it, controlling the NIL, controlling the transfer portal, allowing his returning players to really have a role here, um, relying on seniors like Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong to to lead the team, um, finding a role for Omir Nochad, right, to go out there and be his dominant self and really be a, a dynamic playmaker for this team. And just, re- and, you know, knowing what you have and having have, putting that chemistry together, that that's not an easy job to do. And it's a harder thing to maintain and a, an even harder thing to go out there and dominate. And that's what these guys did. A 15-5 and five record in the ACC. Finished off winning the season, winning eight out of their nine games. And that one loss was on a last second shot, literally. Uh, what else could you have want from this team? You know, and, and, and it just shows you how, again, it's translating to be something that can sustain itself over time. Right. A lot of these kids are going to be coming back next year, at least five of them. So now you have even more um, familiarity with the program, bring in freshmen, bring in a transfer portal target that helps you get to that second level or elite level of, of basketball programs and mm. just keep building from there. I think we were there last year. I think we were already at that entry level. Now, this year, there's an expectation. It's fair. I think this team has, has got their eyes, eyes set on the, the national championship. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and it's, bro, it's crazy to even say, Joel, but it's a real thing, Doc. It's a real thing. If they get favorable seeding in one of those seat in one of those divisions that we had talked about, dog, they can really make a run because you're not facing a, a team that that is either unfamiliar or, or that much better until you're in the Elite Eight Final Four. And they already made the Elite Eight last year and kind of hung in it and then got blown out in the second half. Okay, cool. Learning curve, get better, come back, take that experience with you and help that push you forward. Could you imagine this team in the final four? It, like when we when we started the season, it was like, yeah, I don't know, man. But right now, it's like, yeah, without a doubt. And that's not you even being a homer, right? Because you're not a U, you're a, you're not a UM fan. You're a UCF guy, right? And even you can recognize, nah, this team is legit, and they can hang with damn near whoever in the country on any given court, especially if it's a neutral court. You where, where you know there's no fans, everything's split fifty fifty. 
yeah, this UM team can really make some noise and get to the Final Four, dog. Fuck around, win an NCAA championship, dog. What? So, without a question, you got them winning it all in your bracket. I mean, yeah, without a doubt, dog. I'm a homer, so yeah. I was going to pick those guys all the way, you know, all the way. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong, that's no disrespect to the other teams that are out there. I mean, ESPN doesn't even have them inside their top 15 as far as power rankings go for college teams. So I know that hurricanes are not necessarily being looked at like that, but this could be the perfect storm, dog, you know, and, and have a tournament ready team, you know, somebody who has a team that has a lot of experience. Yeah, I can see them, them winning. And what I really enjoy about that the most is that my bracket, you know, I'm going to make like six of them. So <laughs> we got the NCAA Sports with Soso bracket coming out. Um, the link is going to be in the bio soon. So you guys can go check that out and this join episode, the bracket. Yeah, it'll be. Yeah, we're going to have the link somewhere here, you know, around here. In, down in the description. Something like that. But yeah, you know, everybody can join in, make a bracket, pick your teams once the, the official seating comes out after Selection Sunday. But the bracket is live and uh, whoever wins the bracket is going to win a little little pride, you know, I haven't set it out yet, just yet, but, you know, I got a little things up my sleeve, a little tricks, you know, but it's going to be cool, man. And, um, yeah, NCAA bracket is always fun, and my bracket is definitely going to have UM winning it four times. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Four times. My, my bracket's going to have the U for sure all the way. I had them last year. I had the U all the way in my bracket. And Look at that. It was like when they were like, oh, shit, they're in the Elite Eight. I was like, oh, my God. I remember when, when they made the Sweet 16, you texted me like, yo, <laughs> This could be real. And I was like, no way, dog, no way. And and look, sure enough, man, they made it to the eight. And this you, team you is catch even better. You catch a little bit of fire, man. You catch a little bit of fire, you get Stay hot. hot. Stay hot. If they win the ACC tournament, dog, they can they they will definitely feel confident enough to go out there and win the NCAA championship, dog. They can do it. They can definitely do it. Let's see, man. A shout out to Coach Larnea, Isaiah Miller, uh, Isaiah Wong, uh, Miller had a great year this year. Uh, a lot of raw ass players, man. Um, a lot of raw ass guys on that team, and and those guys are doing it well, man. Shout out to them boys, bro. Winning the ACC, they've already done it twice. UN football, zero. They got to step it up ASAP. Don't get me into that. And I said what I said, all right. So let's see what happens year two, Cristobal. Uh, man, this weekend was exciting. We had the return of John Bones Jones versus Cyril Ghani. UFC 285, Las Vegas, heavyweight fight. Jones putting on an extra 50 pounds, doing it over three years of not fighting, building the strength, building the muscle. And in, in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, this dude's the GOAT, but 50 pounds is a lot to carry. You can see it. To fight. You can see it on him. You can see it, right? Kind of had that dad bod going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. But that that dad bod will whoop your ass Bro, so quick and you won't even realize it. That dad bod is hiding adamantium under it, dog. Like Wolverine, <laughs> dog. Because that dude looks solid. Solid. And you and I were talking a little bit before the show. And what I told you was that the, the thing that took me by most surprise is his speed and agility did not go away. You would think that you put on 50 pounds of muscle and, and weight, right? Because it can't be all, all muscle. This guy's not a bodybuilder, right? Uh, for you to be able to move like you did at light heavyweight and be as agile, if not like more, was wild, dog. This dude, you, man, you know he always does that little flip coming into the, into the octagon, right? 
This dude did the same flip. Looked exactly the same. 250 pounds. I've never, ever seen a heavyweight do that. This guy is different. He's the GOAT. He's legit the GOAT, man. And he definitely did. I mean, it kind of it was kind of bittersweet, dog. Yeah. You know, the whole night you're, you're watching the prelims, you're watching all the early fights, which we, you know, another great, great night of fights. Yes. But you get to the main event, John Jones, three years, haven't seen him fight. Cyril Gani, you know, this this Frenchman that's swole and he just, he, he's jacked and he's a, a different type of heavyweight. And you're like, all right, you know, what's John Jones going to do? We haven't seen him in a while. And John Jones just came out and did what John Jones does. And he put this dude out in the first round. He submitted him in the first round. And it was like, damn, that was almost too easy. Dog. And and it did look easy. But the choke didn't even look like it was a, a, a heavy choke. You know what I mean? It didn't look like it was powerful. It didn't look like he had him in a bad spot. It looked weird because he's against the fence, pretty much sitting down. And it's like, well, he doesn't really have it locked in. And I don't really see this guy struggling. So it must not be that bad. But about 30 seconds later, like Ghani's tapping. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, how could that have hurt? Was his neck hurt? And you can just, you couldn't see it from the angle that, that it was at the time that it was happening. But once they showed the replay and I was like, oh shit, that shit was deep in there. And what's crazy is, again, how simple Jones made it look. He made it look so simple. Stood up with him for a little bit, let him kick, and then the moment he was like, oh, you tripped, boom, got you. As soon as he saw an opening, he took it. It was just so perfect. Like, you could just, you look at it, you're like, damn, dude has not lost one step. Like, he was still the apex predator inside that octagon. And it's wild, Joel, because he, again, 250 pounds, dog. That's a lot of human being, dog. Right. So, so then, like, we got our answer real quick. You know what I mean? Like, how's how's he gonna fare? How's he gonna do? We got the answer real quick, but then we, the next flurry of questions is what we we're not gonna have answers to, at least not for a little while. You know, the first mm. thing is, you know, now he goes out and does that. Who who's he gonna fight? Who's the who's the who's first the fight? Who's the that next? You want to see? Well, you would want to. Everybody wants to see him versus Francis and Ganu, right? That's that's the ultimate matchup. May not be as realistic right now, but immediate again. Jones took zero damage in that fight, except for getting kicked in the nuts early on. That was it. The beginning of the fight. Yeah. yeah. That was it as far as damage taken, right? So he's fresh, probably could fight in another two, three months if really. But that's not what everybody was saying. That's not what people are talking about. They're talking about Stipe. Yeah. Stipe was there. And yeah. They kind of exchanged a little bit. Well, that's the thing. Like the next big UFC card, let's say, would be International Fight Week, which is, I think, in July. And imagine that's just three months from now. That's a quick turnaround for John Jones. Stipe is probably easier to get ready, but. That would be the next big fight that the UFC could make. And even as that fight's being like kind of built up in my mind, I'm like, dog, there's no way. There's no way a Stipe can hang with this guy. Stipe's already like a little bit older. Uh, he's gotten knocked out recently. You know, he's lost bad. He's, you know, obviously was dominant at one point. But John's is, John Jones is fresh. Dude hasn't fought in three years and just murked this guy in two minutes, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong. The heavyweight division, they're slim pickings. There's yes. not a lot of great talent in that division. So, you know, Stipe, and being a former champion, how many times he defended his title and all that stuff, you got to give him the respect. But I agree with everything you said. It, you know, it's kind of like I, I don't give Stipe a chance going against what I just saw in John Jones. But I, I would absolutely prefer to see a Francis Ngannou uh, over Stipe. That would be the real test for him, right? Because Ngannou's a big dude. That's a guy that walks around at 300 pounds. You know what I mean? So, like, that's a real test. 
again, all respect in the world to Stipe, dog. I just don't think he can hang with John Jones. Not right now. He would have to get at least another fight before he gets into the ring octagon with this guy. John and Jones. Even, and even then. And even then, you're not going to, you're going to be a what? Tremendo odds on this fight? Like, nah, dog. The chances, it could it happen? Yes, because it's the heavyweight division, like you said, and somebody can get caught, get knocked out. It happens. Everybody in that division has power, right? But how likely is it? It's not that likely when you're talking about John Jones and how he looked at 250 pounds. Again, he looked like his dominant light heavyweight self. So at 250, that's going to be a real big problem for a lot of these guys, you know. And then and there's names: Sergey Pavlovich, um, Curtis Blades, uh, Stipe, right? But none of those guys, in my opinion, can really hold a candle to Ngannou. So if they can't hold a candle to Ngannou, what type of chance do they have against? A uh, well-rested, very fit, very sharp John Jones. I don't see it happening, dog. Yeah, no shot. This guy's about to dominate the, another division for like another th- four or five years easy if he wants to, dog. Crazy. They got to get Francis back, dog, and try to set up that super fight. I'm guessing that's uh, what they're trying to do next year. If, right, right. Because Again, you know, it goes to the fact that like there aren't that many great options in the, in the heavyweight division. No. So you got to work with what you got unless somebody emerges, you know, and God was one of those guys that was like up and coming and, you know, he's made a name for himself and it's just like, dude, like you can just see the difference. It's night yeah. and day between the levels of of heavyweight big time big time shout out to jones man shout out to jones and that was super funny uh, you know rogan's interviewing after him and he's like wait i got one more thing to say bah. i was like dog everybody knows you're the goat man you don't gotta just shit on everybody right now dog <laughs> everybody knows you're the goat that, that dude was looking scary yesterday bro scary dog um but yeah you know, before before we wrap up the UFC event, it, it, we wouldn't be doing it justice if we didn't talk about the co-main event of the evening, right? Valentina Shevchenko, the champion in the flyweight division versus Alexa Grosso. Upset of the night. Upset of the night to a lot of people who don't know. I'm sure Jesse probably was like, I don't know. Alexa has a real good shot here, right? Because... You know, what What? What we haven't seen Valentina do, what we saw her happen in her last fight, she got pushed to the limit. Five rounds, didn't look as dominant, and some say that the, the game plan was out on her, right? But what we've seen in Alexa's career in the UFC and how she got to that, to that number one contender spot was her, her ability to stand up and strike and hang with the people who are striking with her. Uh Alexa goes out there and gets the rear naked choke in the fourth round after a, a good, you know, tussle with Valentina. Now, again, Valentina did her part of the game plan where she took her down. She tried to stand up with her whenever she could. But as far as like significant strikes, Valentina definitely had the 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 edge on that numbers wise. But when it comes to like damage and uh, and like how much damage was done. Bro, Alexa looked like she had pounded on Shevchenko, Valentina, you know? And every time you hit her, it was like a hard hit. Whereas when Valentina was hitting Alexa, it was like, oh, okay, she took that. Oh, no, she, she took that. She definitely wore her out. Yeah. She gave her probably her toughest challenge since her last fight, actually. True. You know what I mean? Because like, she's, she's always done really well in all her fights. And then we saw in the last one, she went the distance and, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, all right, you know, she she's... She wasn't as dominant as fights from the past. And then now, in this case, we saw a complete shift. You know, it, yeah. it was it was a, a different Valentina. She she still put up a great fight. But, you know, there's a there's a new sheriff in town now. There's and, a new sheriff in town. And now she got she put a whooping on her. Yeah, man. Look, Alexa was riding a, a four fight win streak. 
you know, to get this title shot. And a lot of the people who are, again, are experts in MMA knew that she can pose a lot of problems for, for Valentina. And it totally happened, you know. Shout out to Alexa Grosso, um, first Mexican-born woman champion. Uh, I'm sure that's a hell of a prideful thing to ever look back on, right? Um, and, and just making a name for yourself on a card like that that had John Jones on it, right? And having the world pay attention to you and say, wow, look at what she just did. You know what I mean? We got to pay more attention to her and see what type of run she can get in this flyweight division. Definitely the biggest night of her, of of her life, life, man. And, 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 and she looked very humbled by it. She looked very prepared for it. It didn't look like it overwhelmed her. Uh, we got a real serious champion right there, bro. Hey, bro. When it's meant to be, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. And you know what? It, it takes a level of class to be a champion like that. We've seen it in Valentina. She held the belt forever. Second longest um, defense streak next to a guy named John Bones Jones, the GOAT. A, a very worthy champion, a very uh, performance-based champion, right? She went out there and finished people, went out there and fought the best, took on every single number one contender. So, you know, Valentina's not being shitted on by Alexa at, by any means, you know, but sometimes there are better people than you out there. And on any given night, they can beat you. And especially in this fight game, dog. Yep. That's exactly right. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And you know what? Before we wrap up the UFC event, I got to give a shout out to Bo Nichols, man. Um, <laughs> that dude trains down here at American Top Team, uh, has a lot of hype behind them. And, you know... For all intents and purposes, people were kind of sleeping on him, right? Because the guy he was fighting, Jamie Pickett, uh, a real middleweight contender, had had some impressive wins, and this dude Bo just went out there and put him. It made him look like a fucking amateur dog. If I'm being honest, Bo just went out there, stood up with him for a little bit, and was like, "All right, game's over. Let me just go ahead and get you in this armbar real quick." And once one eight, it was a tough arm bar to get and to lock in because the angle that he was in by being on top of Jamie. But once he got it, it was like, oh, I was slowly keep turning, turning, turning until this shit breaks or you're going to give up. And sure enough, Jamie tapped out and Bo put himself on the map, man. He put himself on the map. So American top team, bro, those, those guys pump out champions. It's interesting to see if this dude can get that to that level in the middleweight division. They're definitely like the per, the premier or one of the premier, you know, gyms for the UFC in the country, right? Facts. Facts, I mean, man. Everybody fights the top team. Yeah. A lot of people do. They have a proven record. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? They have a proven record and, and it shows, man. So shout out to Bo, man, representing South Florida for sure. Now, before we finish the show, we will definitely not be able to do it justice if we didn't go full circle. Started off with the golf talk. Ah, Got to bring it back to the golf talk. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention Absolutely. the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Shout out to the legend. Rest in peace. You know, you're the RDP, GOAT. you're the GOAT. Um, what a tournament, right? What a great weekend. What a competitive weekend. I feel like now this tournament is one of the tournaments that guys want to go out and win. Right, John John Rom was one of the few guys who didn't show up to that tournament. No, he played. He played, right? Oh, okay. I, I I don't remember seeing him. That's why. Yeah, he played. And he actually shot seven under the first day, and Killed he was it. like in the lead, like by four or five, like three or four strokes probably, and then proceeded to just fall apart the rest of the yeah. round. He made the cut just because he was so far ahead the first day, but then he played like five or six over the, the second day, made the cut barely, and then just Saturday and Sunday were, were not pretty, but he was there. He was there. All the big names were there, dog. Uh, Rory was there. He was there. Defending champ. What a great Scotty Scheffler was there. 
2021 uh, champ Tyrrell Hatton was there. Um, who else? You know, I mean, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, everybody, uh, all dog. the big names, all the big names in the everybody. PGA Tour were, were there. And, uh, you know, it is, it is a coveted event, you know, outside of the majors, you know, as far as PGA Tour events, you know, this is up there as far as you, you want to, you want that red cardigan, you want to, you know, sure. win at Arnie's place. I mean, Tiger himself, the GOAT, has won there. Eight times in his career, yeah. you know, it's a tournament uh, that means something. So you, now. it tells you that tells you everything you need to know. Like you know, right. the Tigers playing there that often, you know, and then he got all those wins. Like that's a special place right there. Bay Hill's a special place, but electric weekend, man. I yeah. mean, the PGA Tour has been, uh, you know, they they recently got some shit because they announced their new format, you know, which resembles a lot uh, yeah, the Live Tour, the Live, you know, formatting and, and stuff what like a that. social media drop by the Live Tour admin on Twitter, right? Where he's like, oh, I see, if, um, what is it? Uh, he's like, imitations. Imitations is a serious form of flattery, flattery dog. Yeah. <laughs> great, 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 great job. What a great burn, yeah, dog. Their social media team's definitely on it, but, you know, then they go on this weekend and they have this product with the best players in the world in, in this, you know, top tier field and then it comes down to Live Literally the last day, the last round, and you're you're if you're watching it or you haven't been watching it for that matter, you just tune in on Sunday and you see all these names atop the leaderboard, and they're all tied for the first spot. You know, six guys, and then right behind them, there's a couple guys in the mix that you're like, oh my god, these guys. If these guys, you know, do a couple more things, you know, they still got some time. Yeah, and you're just sitting there watching and like, who's gonna take it? You know, who's gonna take it? Jordan Spieth, you know, another guy who was up there had the lead for a moment momentarily, and then he kind of fell apart and ended up. Seven under for the weekend, uh, I think like tied for fifth or solo fish or something like that. But it, it got real, real dicey there at the end. Very interesting. And I mean, look, one of the guys that you named earlier, uh, Rory, he had put together a great final round to get himself back into that field of six, seven guys who were in the mix, like yep. you said, and just ready to get that that championship or at least get into a playoff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the thought there was a, there was a moment there where everybody thought there was going to be like a five way playoff, right? And which would have been badass, sick, badass. <laughs> That would have been, dog. And because it would have been a, a, a playoff with literally five of the best world players right now, you know? Well, four, and, and then Kurt, well, Kurt Kiriyama. Yeah, but look, Rory would have been in there. Spieth would have been in there. Uh, Canley would have been in there. Like, all these dudes would have been in there, Scotty dog. Scheffler, Scotty would have been in there. that mix, too. You know? But then, lo and behold, you know, you get this journeyman. This, <sighs> this guy that has never won on the PGA Tour. You know, it's come close. close. He's got a lot of top fives, especially this year. You know, just recently, he's had his name in the mix. And you got this guy that had the lead after 54 holes, I want to say. Yeah. And... You know, it's like, all right, you got these guys in the rearview mirror. They're right there. They're catching up to you. What What are you going to do? Ends up triple bogeying his ninth hole on Sunday. Wild. Thinking, oh, my God, that's it. He just gave up the tournament. Manages to make some birdies. Shows up big, real big on the 17th hole, which is a par Huge. three. Sticks it to like 25 feet and then drains the putt. What? I mean, buries it and then takes the outright lead with one hole left to play. And and you know what was the most impressive shot that he hit for me in that final round was the last shot to get him onto the green on the 18th. Well, because, because he of did his it, drive, he pushed it left into the rough. And yes, the rough at Bay Hill is long. It's long, right? So he's and he's having that conversation with his caddy, right? And he's like, "Man, I don't know." The caddy offered him a first club, and he was like, "I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. I'd rather just do this, right?" And I forget the club that he chose, but he's like, "I'm gonna try to lay up on, get on the left side of the green, and give myself room of air, mm-hmm. right?" A lot of other players that have that high confidence in them or have won before, right? They probably would have decided, "Man." 
let me see if I can get it inside 20, right? And really put it away, get the birdie put, and, and, and go to and go go win the championship that way. But he decided to be mature about it. He decided to be thoughtful of the moment, seeing other guys fall off on this 18th hole, and decided to play the best shot, the most comfortable shot that he could, and he landed it on the green. Granted, it was like a 47-yard putt that he was looking at, 47-foot nah, putt. I think it ended up being yeah, like 30 feet or something like no, that. No, it was 47. It was, perfectly, it was, 47. It was it 47? Yeah, it yeah. shorter than that. But it was, it was a perfectly pin high, you know? Yep. And on top of that... He almost buried it. He almost drained the putt. Yeah, he left the putt millimeters. on the on the edge with, the, and then he ended up marking it, which is a little questionable. But like it, it, he he almost made the putt even from that far. So it was yeah. like talk about meant to be. Yeah, Kirk Kiriyama was meant to win that tournament, and, yeah. and it was awesome, man. Because you know you see all those top names, you see all those guys, and yeah, that would be great to win, but. As a fan of the common man, you know, being a common man, well, it's, it's always nice to see a guy like that, that, you know, he's 30, you know, I think 30, 31 years yeah. old. He's been on the PGA Tour, you know, fighting for his card and fighting for, you know, position and money and all that stuff, you know, making a career out of it and not being one of the top dogs. Having been on the tour for, I don't know, eight, ten years, making three, three and a half million. All right, that's a good, decent living. You know, some people won't reach that. I don't know. But if you take into account how much he has to spend and all that stuff to then literally double up his career earnings in one one, one weekend. You know, one he shot. played four rounds of golf and literally doubled his earnings like that. Like, that's a feel good story. You Hell know what yeah. I mean? Like, especially now because the PJ Tour is paying out more and all that. It's like even, even now the wins mean more than they did even before. For sure. And, and you know, something that. That Netflix's uh, series Full Swing did is highlight those guys, right? Who have, are those common man stories and show them get through the adversity to go out there and win, right? And this kid's story is definitely built for that. Like you said, he doubled up his career earnings in a weekend um, after, like, you know, staving off some of the best golfers in the world. In order to get your first PGA win after coming so close before and losing to a John Rahm, losing to a Rory, you know what I mean? And coming in second in those tournaments. Nah, it was clutch. Clutch, clutch on 17, clutch, man. Clutch. That was the big, biggest birdie of his career. Yeah. And of his life. For sure. And again, the, his composure down the stretch is what ultimately, I feel, got him the championship. Nah, hell of a weekend, man. Arnold Palmer definitely delivered. And it's so great that it was only an appetizer for what's to come. Wee, that's that players championship cause and you know I'm not a I'm not like too deep into the history but I know that this is one that everybody circles on their calendar and says alright I gotta win this tournament you know yeah, cause you want your majors it's the unofficial fifth major you know you, you want have, your majors you have, you have your majors and this one is, is up there with that you know if you don't win one but you have a, a, a you know a PGA a players championship then it's like hey man you know, that's that's a big win because you usually have a stack field, you know, even more stacked than this weekend, if that's somehow possible. <laughs> and and um, it's, you know, the the course itself is, you know, there's a lot of history there. The 17th hole, the part three, yeah. you know, all that stuff, all the memorable moments with Tiger and all that. So there, there's definitely, you know, a lot to tune in for this weekend. And, for the and, players. and talk about money, dog. That's a twenty three million dollar purse. Like you can go out there and really make some change, dog, yep. you know, and. You know, last year's winner, Cameron Smith, played a hell of a final round in order to get his championship. Um, and, and like you said, the field is so open. And outside of Rom, right, who's probably clearing out right the best player right now, right? Clearing out right. 
probably Scotty right behind him, and then everybody else is in the mix. Right? Still getting, it's still early, Friends, bro. Any of any of those guys, arguably, you can say be Cam, in the you mix. can say Cam Smith, you can say John Rom, you can say Rory, Rory. you can say Scheffler. You know, you can argue a case for any one of those guys. And True, be like that guy's number one. True, but as far world. as like betting odds, as far as betting odds right now, right? Sure. You're, you're probably betting more Ron, on Rom, Rom and Scotty. Probably the, the leading favorite, yeah. Scotty right behind him, yeah. right? Um, with those two guys, like you know that they have to be on the top of the top of their games in order to be John has to be his absolute best in order to be Scotty. Scotty has to be at his absolute best in order to beat Rom. You know what I mean? And uh, the guys who are all in that top ten mix are going to be playing at this Players Championship with the idea of if I play my best, not only am I going to be able to win, I'm going to be able to be dominant. Because John Rom made those comments the other day, you know, where he's like, "Well, of course I want to win every single tournament. I want to play everything that I want to win everything that I'm playing in. Because if not, what's the point of being dominant? What's the point of being that number one ranking?" And yeah, you know, Scotty was was pushing. For that Arnold Palmer championship. And you can tell the disappointment in not winning that because now you're losing your ranking. You're falling back a little bit. And now you're like, fuck, I should have won this tournament. Or I had the opportunity to win this tournament, right? And and ultimately didn't do so. Got to bounce back and get this one. If you're one of those top 10 guys right now. Or feel like you should be in those top top 10. That's why I, I I'm, if I had to pick, I'd pick Rom winning this tournament, dog. Yeah. Uh, that, that that's probably you know what the betting favorite is going to be in this, but I have no idea, man. It, it's it, going to be close. This could literally be, you know, JT could come out here and have a week and win it again. We haven't even talked know. about that guy yet. Um, you can have you know Scotty, you know, you know he's what he's doing. Rory, you know, Rory can come out, have a great weekend, and, and be a player. He's champ. due for a big win. Um, shit, even Ricky, you know, Ricky Fowler, you know, we, we've seen him yeah. kind of be in the mix. Like, what if he just, happens, Holland. what if he happens to have a week? Ah, I don't know about Hovland, but he's been, you know, he's Rick, been I say Ricky there. cause Ricky's won big tournaments and you know, he's been doing this. Was, I could just kind of see him having a good weekend. I mean, but imagine Hovland winning he plays this a lot of Florida golf. Imagine Hovland winning this one. I don't know, man. I, the more I see Hovland, I think he's due too, but I think that kid's still missing something, just, huh? Just something, Something's man. off. He had a hole in one this weekend. Yeah. Had a, little, a lot of good Dual moments. Base. He was in the mix. He had a top 10. Yeah. But, man, I just I think there's just something missing. It was so wild, too, because, like, on 17, I saw him hit it into the bunker short, and he was upset. He hit a horrible, horrible shot for him. And uh, the next shot, he almost holed out for the birdie out of the bunker. And it was like, <sighs> golf. Like, he does have it. He does have it, but he like does. there's something there that he just once he unlocks it, it's a guy. I think he's a guy that like will win a, a like a, at a fast clip, like Greg Norman did. Like Greg Norman had like 27 PGA Tour wins in his like career, and yeah. I think Hovland could do something comparable to that. Just kind of fire off a bunch. Go out there and get the first, get the big one. Get get the first one. Get over that little hump, and then you can find yourself, you know, in contention for more bigger championships and even a couple of majors, yeah, right? But just I can't, stay in the mix. I can't pick one just for this one in particular. I got to look at the rest of the field and, and all that good stuff. I don't know. We'll circle like back on Friday. I'll hit you up privately and see what your pick we'll is. See, we'll post it. Yeah, man. TPC Follow my golf pros. We'll, yes, follow, we'll post it on there. Absolutely. Um, I think that's that's good enough for today, dog. We covered a lot. That's about all the time on the podcast should be. Yeah, man. You know what? Shout out to Lorenzo Medina. We got the interview dropping hey, this Friday. Friday. So you know what you got to do. You got to go to the YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification so that when it comes out, you can drop 
that comment and hit the like button and show some love to the homie Lorenzo, the giant killer Medina. And you know what else you got to do? You got to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend. To tell one more friend about this amazing podcast and what we got coming for you guys on a week-to-week basis, man. Nobody else is bringing you content like this, delivering that hotness. And until then, peace. peace.